Good morning, everyone. What you just heard or saw on the video was a cockatiel or a bird whistling the theme to the Andy Griffith Show. It's an interesting, actually, it's kind of amazing that that song is just so recognizable to so many that you can even recognize that whistling from a bird. Wow. I would whistle it myself, but <laughs> the bird might have actually done a better job than what I can do. Please open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5 this morning. I want to start with an illustration from, what else? But the Andy Griffith Show. You see, in an episode from the classic TV series, The Andy Griffith Show, from the 1960s, Andy Taylor, the sheriff of Mayberry, is out of town. His deputy, Barney Fife, is in charge, and he has deputized the local mechanic, Gomer Pyle. Wow. Anybody else remember Gomer Pyle? I loved Gomer Pyle. He was a funny guy. In fact, I liked him better than, um, better than Barney. Anyways, the two deputies... Barney and Gomer Pyle are walking down the street one evening when all of a sudden they notice that someone is robbing the town's bank. They quickly duck behind a car. I can picture it now. They are afraid and don't know what to do. Now, I don't know if Barney had his one bullet in his chest pocket or not, but they're afraid and they don't know what to do. And finally, Gomer Pyle looks at Barney and says excitedly, Shazam! Remember that Shazam. He says, we need to call the police. In utter exasperation, Barney shoots back, we are the police. You see, we could say the same thing about the church. We are the police in some ways. We could say the same thing about us. We look around and realize we are the ones who should be doing something in our lives, in the lives of the others, in the world today. But what? Let's turn in our Bibles together to Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, as we continue in this series of the conversationalist. When Jesus spoke in parables, right, we're looking to the teachings of Jesus, the actions of Jesus, very short stories. We look to Jesus, who has wisdom for everyday living, and we look to find his wisdom for our everyday living. Now, we have looked greatly at forgiveness in the previous weeks. We looked at forgiveness for ourselves and how to apply the word of God to our lives personally, how to follow after Christ personally ourselves. We've then transitioned to looking how to, we are to forgive one another, and then naturally we transition to the next step. This week, we focus on our responsibilities with others to others. Again, we look to our responsibility with others to others. We're all, all part of one family, brothers and sisters in Christ, part of the church, the universal church, and we should be having a responsibility with others to others. I want you to say that to yourselves now, with others to others. Look around the room now and see, with others to others. We are in this together, and we need to work together. So let's read now from Matthew 5, 13 to 16, to see Jesus' in the instructions for us today. Matthew 5, 13 to 16, salt and light starts like this. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. 
And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Despite being just four short verses, a very short story. We have a lot to consider today and possibly even into next week as well. The big idea of the message today is this. A godly life gives testimony to the life-providing power and love of God. Again, a godly life gives testimony to the life-providing power and love of God. If you're taking notes this morning, you should take notes of this. A godly life gives testimony to the life-providing power and love of God. Repeat that to yourself as you're writing that in your notes. A godly life gives testimony to the life-providing power and love of God. First of all, to the life that you have through Jesus Christ, through repentance of your sins, turning away from your sinful life and following after the life of Christ in His ways. But also, it is life-providing, truly, as you follow His ways each and every single day. You have a life provided by the love of God with hope, joy, love, peace, self-control, and more. Number one for this sermon is you have influence. You have influence. Point to somebody this morning and say, you have influence. You have influence. Yes, we have influence. But first notice that Jesus didn't say you could be salt. Or what if you were light? He said you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. But who is this you who Jesus speaks to? It's his disciples. It's his followers. And that's us. He may be speaking to a great crowd, but he's speaking to the followers, those who are truly trusting in him, following him, listening to him, and not just listening or looking for the miracles or for some great show, but truly to find the true knowledge for living and to follow after him in God's ways. You see... This statement speaks to those who have placed their trust and faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior from their sins and are now following after his righteous ways in the word of God. You see, the salt and light metaphors indicate our influence for good in the world, for showing people God's word, God's ways, and God's love. And sometimes we're really good at one part of that, but not all of that. But we must show all of that. You see, you can't sacrifice one part of God's word for another part of God's word. All God's word, all God's commands, all God's ways work together for his good. And they never work against each other. Yet the very notion that we as Christians can have a healthy influence in the world should give us pause. I mean, maybe we should take a moment to think about it. Pastor, author, theologian John Stott once asked, I quote, What possible influence could the people described in the Beatitudes exert in this hard, tough world? What lasting good can the poor and the meek do, the mourners and the merciful, and those who try to make peace, not war? Would they simply be overwhelmed by the floodwaters of evil? What can they accomplish whose passion is an appetite for righteousness and whose only weapon is the purity of heart? Are not such people too feeble to achieve anything, especially if they are a small minority in the world? 
You see, in light of the countercultural perspectives that Jesus spoke in the Beatitudes, it would be easy to think that Jesus was calling his followers to a totally separate life. But he wasn't. He was saying that you must be not of this world, yet we must still be in the world to be salt and light. Here, Jesus proclaims precisely the opposite of separate lifestyles. You see, Christians must permeate society as agents of redemption, agents of his word, agents of his love. Not secret agents, but open agents. Police officers in some ways, but not in other ways. Open-air evangelists, pastors, preachers of the word and the love of God. And just as salt permeates into meat for preservation and taste, and just as light shines first and illuminates a dark, dark room, we as Christians, being those with the light of Christ within us, in a firm grasp on the truth found in God's word, must be salt and light to show the life-providing power and love of God. We are influencers. You have influence, but not by your power, not by your might, but by his will, by his power, by his might, and for his glory. The world will persecute the church, yet it is still the church's calling to serve this persecuting world with love and truth. You have influence. Jesus referred to that handful of what some would call Palestinian peasants as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And this is us too, all of us who believe and follow after Christ in God's ways. Their influence was to be far-reaching, and ours is too. Jesus says in John 8, 12, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here in Matthew 5 and also in Mark 4 and Luke 8 and other places too, we see that we too have a responsibility and it is to reflect his light, to show the world the light that is living within us, to show them that we are salt in an unsalted world and it's okay to be unique. It's okay to be different as long as your difference is caused by the truth of God's word and the love of Jesus Christ which we all should have within us and want to show. To all those we encounter. You see the world is a dangerous place. And we have a responsibility with others and to others. Again with others and to others is our responsibility. You may immediately think of the dangers. The physical dangers in which one may encounter. Dangers such as muggings, wars or physical disease or injuries or politics or listening to the news. But there are many dangers beyond the physical. There is a great danger in one's living and making choices according to false belief systems, false worldviews, especially when it comes to God, religion, or spirituality. And we need to shine a light and be salt to show people the truth of God's word. Satan wants us to fall. Satan wants to, to keep us from looking to the truth. But we know the truth and we have the understanding of the truth thanks to Jesus and our salvation and thanks to the Holy Spirit living within us. Helping us to understand, leading us, and protecting us, guiding us, inspiring us. You see, God wants you, in your new life in him, to influence the world for his glory and plan, and to help those at risk. 
We must engage the world when God presents the opportunity. Show them God's word, Jesus, and his ways and love. Reach people with the truth that there is but one true and righteous way to living. One true God. One true way to a glorious eternal life with God in heaven. You have influence. We have influence. Help people in all phases of life to live in a righteous way. A way with hope, peace, joy, self-control, love, and more. Knowing that there is a God. And this God desires to be in constant relationship with them through his son Jesus and the Holy Spirit living within them. So as Peter encourages us in 1 Peter 3, 15 to 16, we must be prepared to give reason and defense for the hope we have within us. Because we are influencers, we have influence, you have influence, and you are salt. You're a salt. Number two today is you are salt. Matthew 5, 13 says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. In the ancient world, salt was used primarily as a preservative. And then secondly, for flavoring or taste. In this first metaphor, Jesus Christ himself likens his disciples to salt. And he's basically saying that apart from his disciples, the world tends to rot, to expire, to go bad. But Christians, we help it to taste good. We help it to be good. We help it to not decay and rot by the power of Jesus, his word, his love, by the power and love of God. You see, Christians delay decay by showing the world God. If our lives conform to the norms of his kingdom, kingdom living, we cannot help but be an influence for good, both spiritually, morally, and physically. The purpose of soul is to fight decay, fight deterioration, fight rot, and therefore it must not itself deteriorate. And that means we never live contrary to God's word. We're always evaluating God's word. We're always studying God's word. And we value deeply the truth that is within it to where we're always comparing if these two lifestyles come together or not. The worse the world becomes and the more its corruption proceeds, the more it stands in need of Jesus' disciples. That's us. And when he says it loses its saltiness, it could be read more literally as is defiled. Salt doesn't become flavorless, but it becomes useless as a preservative if it becomes mixed in or defiled with impurities like sand or gypsum or other minerals from the Dead Sea or sand, dirt, mud, or if our lives personally become mixed in with sinful ways contrary or against God's word and God's righteous way of kingdom living. I don't believe Jesus is making a statement here about eternal security with the phrase to be thrown out and trampled afoot. I believe him to be referring to the world's response to Christians if we do not function as we should. You see, believers who do not point out and deal with corruption become worthless as agents of change and redemption. You are to be unique. We are to be salt in an unsalted world. Not political, but sometimes it can be. But biblical, spiritual, godly people. 
Don't be political in ways which go against God's word. Be political while staying to God's words and ways. Never sacrificing godly living. I have an example, an illustration for you of salt, which I just found and I loved. Let me read this to you. A former Asbury Seminary professor and Asbury College Theological Seminary College president tells a story about growing up in North Carolina during the Depression. It was Dennis's job as a young boy to rub salt into the meat his father brought home from hunting. He would rub salt into the meat until his young muscles ate. Finally, when it was thoroughly salted, he would hang it up in the storehouse. One day, the company arrived, so Dennis's mother asked him to get some meat, some pork, out of the storehouse. Dennis ran out, got a piece of meat, pork, off of a hook, and brought it into the kitchen. He laid it on his mother's cutting board and left the room. The boy was just about out the front door when he heard his mother yell, Dennis! Young Dennis knew from experience that whatever, whenever his mother screamed his name like that, he was in trouble. Might have even said his middle name. So he made his way to the kitchen and stood in the doorway, afraid to go in. Looking up at his mother from the doorway, he noticed she was not glaring at him, but rather staring down at the meat. Dennis looked and noticed something unusual. He would say that it was the first time in his life he ever saw meat move. Stepping closer, he noticed maggots pouring out of the slice his mother had made into the meat, the pork. Dennis thought for sure he was going to get it, but all mom said was, not enough salt, Dennis, not enough salt. One pastor said about this illustration, now our tendency is to want to blame Hollywood or TV or liberal schooling or music or the government for the decay of our culture, but maybe just maybe the real problem is not enough salt. If we feel the world is decaying around us, the problem may very well be not enough salt, Dennis. Not enough salt. Number three, moving on, is you are light. You are supposed to be a lit lamp. One not hidden, one not under a basket, not, not one not lit at all, but you are light, a lit lamp. Jesus uses this second metaphor to describe the witness of the Christian as light to the word of God, the truth. And he says, Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your father who is in heaven. Christians are a light in a world which is covered in a thick Darkness, a fog, smoke and mirrors, Satan's trickery to try and keep people from seeing God and truth and righteous living and his love found only in Christ Jesus for salvation. You see, a light can be a warning. It can be a lighthouse to prevent people from running ashore. It can be an attraction like a lighted window in a dark or a candle or light in the in the, in the distance, I think of coming home from the Dells a few weeks ago. And we saw at nighttime in this pink sky. I was thinking, what is going on? What is that light up ahead? And we're, we were naturally drawn to the light. Now, we didn't get off the highway. Luckily, 
it was just staying on course, but we kept wanting to get closer and closer and closer to see what is this light? What is this pinkness? Now, we eventually got to light and found it was some man's dairy farm, some light that he had shining from his barn. But that is what our light should be. It should be attracting people to the truth and love and power of God. Not ourselves, but to God's glory. Light can also be a guide, like a flashlight, like a lighted path. But above all else, we see that light is visible. Light is visible. You do not hide a lamp. You put it on a lampstand for it to illuminate the whole room. Light has one purpose, to illuminate, to shine, to be bright and fill a room or its environment. There's no reason to hide the light. There's no reason to hide the truth that we have in our life. There's no excuse for secret discipleship or a secret Christian. Do not be a secret agent Christian. If you hide it, you misuse it, one pastor said. If you hide it, you misuse it. Now, there might have been in this ancient day one reason why they would hide the light. Because this light was generally like an oil-filled pot with a spout and a wick. And maybe they wanted to just hide it under a basket or for a jit of time while they try to sleep. And they don't want to have to blow it out and relight it. So they let it dwindle a little bit. But that's not the purpose here. Our purpose is not to try and let it dwindle or, or hide it so we can sleep. Our focus is to let the light illuminate and shine into a dark-filled world so that it wakes up those who are sleeping. If you hide it, you misuse it. Remember that big idea of the message today? A godly life gives testimony to the life-providing power and love of God. Jesus says a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, and we should be that city. Set on a hill, set on a cliffside, set on a mountaintop that everybody can look from afar and see our light standing out in the distance, shining forth into the wilderness and lighting the way to truth and true life and providing the life-providing power and love of God. This light sheds out the darkness, pushes out the darkness which would otherwise dominate. You see, Christ's love, the gospel and word, should be seen by our light. Like a city on a hill. Being a light means showing people the word of God, showing them the love of God, showing them the ways of God. And there's many ways you might do this, just to list a few. Maybe it's through a program at the church. Maybe it's through a vacation Bible school. Maybe it's through your life examples living according to his word and the hope that you have in him. Maybe it's through scripture and sharing scripture with them, memory verses. Maybe it's through sharing a Bible study with them, whether it be at the church or in the community or in your homes. Maybe it's through just sharing a devotion with them, like a daily email that you just send them and say, hey, I thought of you when I read this. Maybe it's through a book recommendation or a song recommendation. Or maybe it's through your caring acts of love. We must learn to be salt and light by looking to Christ whose light and truth and love you reflect and show to the world. Let me repeat that for you note takers or for you putting it to memory, I hope. We must learn to be salt and light. We must learn to be salt and light by looking to Christ whose love, light, and truth you reflect and show 
live for God's word and glory in all things and in all ways. You see, we must remain active, preservative agents, even irritants in calling the world to heed to God's ways, God's standards. The world is a dark and dangerous place filled with rot and decay and death, but we have the gift of blessings, of knowledge, of the truth of God's word and life-giving power of God's love, and we must show it. 1 Peter 2.12 says to keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. <laughs> Andy Griffith Show, remember that illustration. We can be a difference. We can be an influence. It's our job as Christians to be salt and light in the world and the earth. And a little salt, a little light makes a big impact in the meat or in the darkness. But we need to make sure we use it. Salt is good for nothing if it's not spread or if it's not spread enough. Light is good for nothing if it is concealed or hidden away in a sealed closet, under a bed, or a basket, or not turned on at all. Having a new life and identity in Christ implies influence. Salt and light are to be distinct and different from the environment around them. They are to have a powerful influence on the world. Light reveals. Allow this light to reveal the sinful ways in your life and others. And make a difference. Make a change in your life and others. Show them and show yourself righteous ways. You see, we heard that story, salt is to be rubbed into the meat to stop it from rotting. We need to rub our influence, the influence which God has through us and has given us in the world. Light is to shine into the darkness, to be set upon a lampstand to illuminate this environment. But how? How do we do this? I want to move to the take-homes, the applications. But the take-home does not start with your presence on social media on Facebook, on Parler, or Instagram, or anything else of that nature. In fact, sometimes all that does is turn people away more or cause fights which can never be won over Facebook. It starts with the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Number one, use the power of prayer. And before I move on, let me correct or, or add to that phrase. You see, I'm not saying that you don't also stand for truth on Facebook, Parler, or social media. That's great, but we need to also do these other things too. Use the power of prayer. There are some Christians who are so busy with ministry or socially active lifestyles that they never stop to pray. They never make time. And it's a problem that we all should be convicted for and recognize and change. If you feel convicted now that you don't pray enough, that's a good thing. Let's recognize it and change it. Prayer is an indispensable part of our lives, and our first duty towards society and our leaders and our circumstances is to pray. And I'll add now that we have prayer meeting every Wednesday night. Contact the church. We'll get you info. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 1 to 2. I urge then first of all that petitions, and later on or other place, we see that all petitions, all supplications, all intercession. All thanksgiving be made in prayers, made for all people, for kings and all those in authority as well. 
that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. One pastor stated, and I agree with this, as we should be praying in all things, that most of us, myself included, are more personal than global in our prayers. But are we not global Christians, united together? Should we not share the global concerns of our global God? And these concerns should express themselves in our prayers. Let's exercise the power of prayer, he said. Every day, every circumstance, every way, and for everyone. Let's pray. Number two, use the power of truth. We believe in the power of truth of the gospel of Christ and understanding the word of God. So let's use this power of truth. Do not be ashamed of this. Use this. As Paul says, and we've spoken before in Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. And in Psalm 119, verse 11, and we memorize what is coached by Christ, our children's program on Wednesday nights. We memorize God's word to keep us from sinning against him. Let's share that truth to keep people from sinning. Let's share the truth of God's word which leads to life. The truth of the gospel, the truth of Jesus. The truth of righteous living, kingdom living, the marks of a true Christian. Are you convinced of the power of the gospel? Of the power of God's word? Do you believe in the power of God's word and truth to bring salvation, life, and righteous ways of living to all those who believe and follow it? Then use this power of truth. Share it. Show the hope that is within you. Show them righteous living and the love of Christ. The world is a dangerous place, but we have the answers. For Christ has overcome the world. And through Christ, we have a restored life with God the Father and the Holy Spirit living within us to guide us and connect us to him and his ways. To help us to understand the truth. So as you use the power of the truth of his word, ask for his help, trust, and have faith in his infinite goodness and mercy. In John 1, 5, we read, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot overcome it. No, it cannot overcome it, for it is God. And God is a light in the darkness. And light overpowers darkness. Even just a small candlelight shines forth for miles. Number three, use the power of example. Use the power of example. You see, truth is powerful. But it's even more powerful when it's shown as well. People need not only to hear the truth, but to understand the truth by seeing that we believe the truth and that we live according to the truth. Let me say that again if I can. Truth is powerful when it's argued, but it's even more powerful when it's shown too. People need not only to understand the truth, but to see that we believe the truth and that we follow after the truth too. The world is watching. Let them see the love of God, Jesus Christ, and kingdom living. Let them see the truth found in the word of God. Let them see this through your life, your example, your living, so that they can find this, they can see it, and they too can glorify God in heaven. Number four, finally, use the power of the church, the power of family. We are family. Jesus began with a small group of only 12 committed individuals, his personal disciples. But years later, later, the Romans would claim that they were turning the world upside down. 
because of their commitment to him. Our commitment as a church, as a body of believers, can turn the world upside down. Don't fail to use the power of one another. We must be committed together to the vision of God. Committed together to Christ. Committed together to pray together. To study the truth together. And to work together to proclaim the truth that we now know. To be salt and light in a dark and dangerous, sin-filled, decaying world. Don't fail to use the power of one another. And as I conclude with a few statements, recognize that we have a part to play and a power to play it. We have a part to play and the power to play it. Look around at each other. You have a part to play and the power to play it. Play your part. Let's say that to each other. Play your part. Let's play this game together. Although this game is not just a game, it is life and death. And it is for eternity. It determines will you will be for eternity. We have a part to play and a power to play it. Let's play your part. You through Jesus, us through Jesus together, could have enormous influence for him if we're totally committed to him as salt and light. Shining forth, reflecting his light that he's given you. Give yourself to him. Him who gave himself for you. And two more final things, quick things. One, stay faithful to Christ. Make sure that salt stays rubbed all over you too to protect you from decay. Protect you from rotting or being defiled by the world. Stay faithful to Christ so that your co-workers, friends, family, and neighbors alike may be convinced that Jesus is your true Savior not just for Sundays, for some days, but for every day. And number two, as you go into spiritually dark places, know that the light of Jesus Christ lives in you, through you, and is not just for you, but for others too. Light has one job, and that's to illuminate. Light the way to Christ. Reflect his light to show them the narrow way. Be salt and light for the glory of God. Let's close in prayer now. Lord, we thank you for giving us this, this instruction, for giving us your, these beatitudes, for giving us your parables, for giving us your teaching, these short stories, Lord, which show us how to live in our everydays based upon your righteous ways of living, kingdom living, Lord. Thank you for showing us how to be salt and light in the world for ourselves and for others to your glory. And Lord, I pray today that we would Put these thoughts into action. We would look to your word and we would pray, Lord, may you be glorified, not me, but you. May people see your light, the light of truth found in God's word. May they see that a godly life gives testimony to the life-providing power and love of God. Amen.